This is a new thing. Um, so, whew, a little weird. I've been building to this for about, probably about 16, 17 years. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd and welcome to The New Jesus. We have been uh, taking a step at a time, walking forward from uh, what I consider sort of the uh, uh, kindergarten level to first grade to second grade to third grade. Um, not really, as I mean that's just a metaphor, but we're taking a step at a time toward spiritual maturity toward um, the life uh, that is our best life possible or as close to it as we could get, can get. Um, the life that God wants me to live that is pleasing and obedient to Him. Uh, the life where day in, day out, I live in love, joy, peace, and pain. Yeah, you heard that right. Pain is always there, no matter how you live. But the life that's pain with joy, peace, and love is the life you want. And even the pain you experience there is different from the pain when you're not right with God, when you're not on that high road that we've been talking about. All right? Um, to review just very briefly, and by the way, I know the last couple of segments have been really long, and I apologize. I thought about chopping them up into several weeks, uh, but was advised not to do that, and, and so I didn't. Uh, this one should be pretty short, all right? So, um, and, and, and I think they're going to start getting shorter, all right? But I'm trying not to leave out anything and kind of go in order, not strictly, but loosely. Okay, so to review just a little bit, um, we find out who and where we are by um, the diagnostics that we talked about several weeks ago. And that should give you a great picture of exactly where you are spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. All right? And that includes your unconscious, your generational issues, sins of the fathers. It includes all of that. All right? So it's on a minus 10 to plus 10 scale, all right? And if you plot all 10 of these diagnostics, it ought to give you an average that is pretty doggone close to where you stay in your life. And try to do the diagnostics on an average day or answer them about an average day rather than a great day or a really bad day. All right? And then you can do the diagnostics again on one single issue just to see kind of where that issue is. Then we talked about how to diagram uh, a belief, the anatomy of a belief, and diagramming one in order to heal it. All right? And we gave you a mechanism with double-blind studies and all that sort of stuff um, in order to heal that as well as prayer and meditation every day over that belief, asking that it be healed 
and everything that I don't know about that's related to it to be healed. All right? So these are two things, in my opinion, you should sort of uh, keep a running tab on. You should keep a running uh, every day. You should be revisiting, even if it's just for a second or two, these two things and tracking your change. Because as you heal those beliefs, these diagnostics will change. They'll become more and more and more positive. All right? So that 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 works together. All right? So um, that should be something you can use effectively for the rest of your life on any issue you ever have. All right? Okay. And last week, we well, the last couple of weeks, we've talked about um, your value, identity, and worth. What do you value? And is it the right things, the wrong things? Is it external things or internal things? It needs to be internal, but for most people, it's external. And then last week, we looked at, it, at an anatomy of love, that if you decide to change, really, knowing it's going to be hard, knowing that I need to have no safety net, nothing held back, that if I'm just trying it, it probably won't work. I have to be all in for the rest of my life because my heart knows if I really, really mean it or not. Even to a degree sometimes that I may not know consciously. My heart knows. That's why God says He wants the heart. He looks at the heart. He judges the heart. All right? Because that's where it is. And, and in the heart is both love and fear. Programming to live uh, in right relation to God. Programmed to live and seek pleasure, avoid pain, selfishness, both. I've said before you life and death, choose life. And that's on a daily basis. And here's the high road and the low road we keep talking about. Um, the low road is fear, anger, what's in it for me. Love, love A instead of love B, uh, etc. The high road is choosing love as best I can in the present moment, giving up the end result to God. Uh, I will make all kinds of mistakes no matter which road I'm on. There'll be pain no matter which road I'm on. And part of the deal with the road is time, okay? Because if you're on a lifetime journey down a path, takes time, right? Every day you get up and you go. Uh, some days it may be two steps forward, one step back. Some days it may be one step forward, two steps back. All right? Some days you may feel stuck in quicksand. Some days you may feel like, man, I am just sprinting today and feel runner's high. It's a easy, all-out, flat-out sprint, and I'm making unbelievable progress like every day, and it seems easy and effortless. Once you get far enough on that high road, you'll reach a place where it goes from being kind of so hard to do because, because I'm so tempted by pain and selfishness because... I've got all that programming, and based on the latest research, about 50% of what I believe about my value, identity, and worth is just flat wrong, okay? It's just errors uh, that happened over centuries and millennia, okay? 
So a big part of this high road, low road thing is time. And I believe time was invented because belief requires time and everything boils down to your beliefs. And yes, you can just go through life and let whatever happens, happens, and you will naturally have some belief about whatever that is. Baseball, Sh Chevy or Ford, whatever. All right. But what I'm asking you to do is take control of your beliefs. Don't let them just do whatever they want to do. To, um, to do the anatomy of that belief so that you can see where you are, who you believe you are, why you're here, what needs to happen to get to the next level, etc. Alright? So taking charge of your beliefs to heal them, ask God to heal them, meditate and pray over them until they heal rather than just letting them sit there and send their, their negative signal to the hypothalamus in the brain which turns on fight or flight which you could be in virtually your entire life from one significant wrong belief. Okay? So we need to put on the Playtex rubber gloves and get down in the basement and clean all this junk out so that our house is clean and warm and comfortable and, and what it needs to be for us to have the life God promises to us and is available to us. Okay? So, I've been building up to this teaching and this week basically since we started. Alright? So to me, what I'm about to share with you today is one of the great, great secrets I've learned in my life to take me closer to my best life, to take me to love, joy, peace, to take me con to contentment and patience rather than anger and irritation and, and rejection and frustration and, and that sort of thing. All right, And I grew up in church, did 10 years of full-time ministry, and never heard this taught anywhere at any time. Okay, um, But it's been life-changing for me and a number of my clients who I've shared this with. All right, here's what it is. Enjoying adversity. And we've already talked about that some. You know, the passage from James. Count it all joy when these things happen because it'll make you mature, which leads to uh, the perfect you or the perfect life or the closest you can get to your best life. All right? Count it as joy even when it hurts because you know where it's taking you. You know you have a guaranteed outcome, the hundredfold for your loss, the uh, thing that is not even worth comparing. Your momentary afflictions are not even worth comparing with what God has for you. That He, he plans to prosper you and give you a good future, not to harm you. Okay, You know that. Okay, when your game starts, you already know you're going to win. And and some of the details of winning. So even on that road when you get behind in the football game or when you get stuck in the quicksand, you don't ever go to despair 
You don't ever go to anger. Disappointment, yeah. Well, why don't you go to those others? Because you know you're going to win. You don't know how the outcome is going to be a hundredfold for my loss. You don't know how it's going to be uh, my perfect best life, all right? But you know if you put it into God's hands, that's what he promises you're going to get. Now, uh, that's not necessarily what you want. It is, as judged by God, what is best for you, which is the only way you can get to that perfect life you want. You can't get there just from what you want because it may conflict with what God wants. All right. Uh, as I've lectured all over the world, one of the questions I've asked most groups is, "Have you ever made a decision that you thought at the had or had something happen that at the time you thought was bad, but then later, looking back, you thought that was really good?" And then conversely, have you ever had a situation where at the time you thought it was really good, but later you see, "Ah, no, no, that <laughs> that was not so good," and when I ask that question, everybody in the room raises their hand, says, yeah, I've had that happen, and people will speak up. Man, I have that happen all the time. I had that happen yesterday. I had that happen with the biggest issue of my life, and they go on and on and on. Well, what does that mean? It means you don't know the best outcome for yourself necessarily, or even your children, or spouse, or anyone, all right? God's the only one that knows that. And then the other part is he's the only one that's got the power to make the best thing happen. You don't. And we've talked about that a lot up until now. All right? Okay. Well, here is a... You, you, you went on the train and there was a bag just sitting there and it's full of money. You start digging in the ground to plant a tree, and you find this huge diamond or, or a gold strike or something like that. Okay, that's what this truth I'm going to share with you today has been for me and a number of other people that I've shared it with. All right, And again, to me, we've been building up to this moment. All right, so enjoying adversity. 2 Corinthians 4.10. Here's... here's the uh, diamond in the rough gift promise from God and passage. 2 Corinthians 4.10 That the life of Jesus may be manifested in your physical body. That the life of Jesus may be manifested in your physical body. Okay. Now, just hearing that, what would you guess? Would it be a positive or a negative if all of a sudden your body, your gallbladder, liver, brain, the cells of your body, your bones, uh, all of your internal organs, all your secondary systems, your brain, uh, your amygdala, hypothalamus that controls stress, pituitary gland, which controls hormones, would it be a positive or negative if the life of Jesus were manifested there in your physical body? Well, to me, it, that's an obvious question. 
It would be positive. It would be extremely positive. It would be healing, I believe. Now, I mean, be careful. I'm not saying this is a formula. Don't believe there is a formula. It's, it's God, it's your relationship with God, all right? And He judges your heart, right? Even the stuff you don't know, all right? So He knows if you are giving yourself to Him in this way, or if you're still trying to do seek pleasure, avoid pain, have your own way, love A, etc. All right. But that the life of Jesus may be manifested in your body. All right. So what exactly does it mean? All right. I went to one of the all-time scholars in Christendom, Oswald Chambers. Uh, His book, My Utmost for His Highest, has sold over 13 million copies. There have been years when it was the number two bestseller in the world to the Bible. All right. Uh, He's considered one of the top preachers, teachers, theologians in the history of Christendom. And what he wrote was approximately a hundred years ago, which makes it even more amazing, these insights he had. So, I went to Oswald Chambers' uh, writings to see, okay, uh, we call him the Wizard of Oz. Okay, Wizard of Oz, what does this statement mean? that the life of Jesus be manifested in my body, in your body. What does that mean? And how does it happen? And what do I need to do? All right? Here's what he said. When you're confronted with adversity, with something painful, with something unpleasurable, with something um, that you're repulsed by, something you're not sure of, Okay, anything that would be negative adversity, but you believe from your conscience, from the Holy Spirit, from prayer, from intuition maybe sometimes, from Scripture, you believe, I should do this. Okay? so But you've got a choice. I don't have to do this. I set before you life and death, choose life. He has to give you a choice to not choose love and the high road or it eliminates love. Love requires a choice to not love. All right. So here's what Oswald says about this passage. He says, when you hit the adversity, here's what you need to do. You need to say, Lord, I am delighted to obey you in this. Okay? Now, don't lie. All right. But you can say, Lord, I'm delighted to obey you in this. I don't really feel like obeying you because it seems like really distasteful or painful or hard or something that I personally just don't like at all. I'm not saying I'm excited about it or I really want to, but I am delighted to obey you because you have done so much for me and I want to have access to the promises you made to me. I want to walk in the light. I want to be right with you through Jesus. Okay? So, maybe I'm not 
happy or excited about doing it, but I am delighted to obey you in anything, including this. Okay? All right, let's go on. Here's, uh, this is still uh, what Oswald says about this passage. He says, if you do this, Lord, I'm delighted to obey you in this, and then I immediately go to obey you. Okay? We've talked about the five-second rule. There's been some wonderful research lately that says if you're trying to decide to do something or not to do something, and you have a way that you usually do it, or maybe the way that you prefer to do it, and then there's another possibility. If you don't act within five seconds, chances are way over 90% you'll never do it. Okay? Now, the action doesn't have to be to actually do it. Like, let's say uh, the thing that you feel like you're supposed to do is to go dig um, a big hole in the backyard uh, to plant a new tree, and it's 95 degrees outside and hot and your back is kind of sore and stuff like that, all right? Well, you're not going to like doing that, and you may not do it right this minute. You may have other stuff you have to do today, but you need to act in five seconds, which might mean going from sitting down to standing up and saying out loud, or, or in your mind and heart, I will do this thing that I believe God wants me to do. I will dig that hole. I will do it. You have to take some action. Standing up if you're sitting down. Sit down if you're standing up. Do your arm like this. Scream it. Yell it. But take some action within five seconds to actually facilitate it happening. Alright? Now, in some circumstances, you might in five seconds get up, go down, and dig the hole. That's fine too but you need to take some action within five seconds and then if you take that action and say I'm gonna do it later you've got to do it later not if you don't do it later then you broke your promise and what you were saying was not true alright so back to Oswald Lord I'm delighted to obey you in this and, and add whatever you will, because you've done so much for me, because you love me, because I want to uh, be in your kingdom in right standing. I want to be in right relationship with you, etc. Whatever from your heart. And then Oswald says, instantly, if you do this and mean it, Jesus moves to the forefront of your life. That's not you moving him there. That's him moving there. Jesus moves to the forefront of your life. Jesus takes action on what you just did and said and the intention and desire of your heart. Alright? Alright. So Jesus moves to the forefront of your life and manifests in your body that which glorifies Him. Okay. So... What glorifies Him? We don't know that. So glorifying Him may be that my cancer heals. And I believe that absolutely happens sometimes. Glorifying Him might be that my cancer doesn't heal, but I go through it 
learning, growing, giving him control, having faith, showing other people that I'm willing to, that I can live my life in love, joy, and peace, even in adversity, just as well as when things are going well. And it glorifies God and is a light to other people. Okay? What has he got? Man, how's he going through that? Okay? Um, all right. So, he moves to the front of your life and manifests in your physical body whatever is his will for you in line with his promises. The hundredfold for your loss. The It's not even worth comparing. The prosper, I, I, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Good plans. All of that. Salvation. That you're a son of God. That you're blameless. That you have the righteousness of Christ. The, a new heart. The mind of Christ. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, that, we're talking about all of that. When Jesus literally moves to the front of your life and manifests himself in your physical body. And another point of this is, according to Scripture, I believe, and I've consulted with several scholars on this, including my own personal mentor, Jesus in heaven right now has a physical body. He's not just a spirit. He has a physical body. It's not like his earthly body, but it is a physical body designed and, and built for eternity, not for time and what is temporary. Okay, And Scripture says the mystery of the ages is Christ in you, that, that Jesus and I are one that I'm seated with him in the heavenlies and he is here in me, in my body, in my heart, in my mind, right here and now, everywhere I go, as long as I'm walking in the light as he is in the light. All right? Okay? All right. Let's go on. Oswald gives a couple of instructional things as he talks about this that go a little bit further. You must not debate. <laughs> um, we talked about this in the last two weeks. All right? Uh, it was regarding that all geniuses have one thing in common. They have routines. And those routines keep them on track. And the one thing about the routine is when it's time to do that thing, you can't debate it. The debate has already happened. You've already, you've already made the decision that when that time comes, unless there's some big, huge thing, some act of God or, or, or big thing that I need to change it, and, and if that's the case, you should. But except for that, when that time comes... Don't debate it. Do it. And that will start taking you toward your best life. And that's all from science and scientific research. Well, here, Oswald is saying the same thing. That, that God is also saying that. You must not debate when the adversity comes and you're saying, Lord, I'm delighted to obey you in this. All right? You must not debate. 
Okay? If you debate, here's what happens. If you obey, His light shines into and through you. That's, I believe, 2 Corinthians 4, where it talks about the light of the knowledge of the glory of God that shines in the face of Jesus and shines out of the face of Jesus and illuminates and shines in our heart. Okay? Well, if you obey, His light shines into and through and out of you so other people can see. All right? Um, So whether, whether... He's going to give you what you want in this situation or not what you want, but what is pleasing to him and he knows is best for you, even though you may not agree, okay? If you do that, then his light shines into and through you. So even if it's, even if, the obedience and the adversity is something you don't want to do. By doing it without debating and meaning it, I'm delighted to obey you in this. The light of God through Jesus will shine into you, into your body, and I believe out of your bodies in in a way other people will say, wow, what has he got? Whatever it is, I need some of it. All right? If you debate, remember, you must not debate. If you debate, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Oh, man. Alex was going to go to the next level. Okay, well, let's go around the mountain again. Maybe next time he will give it to the Lord. All right. And the bottom line of this to me is what I call YWBD life. What does that stand for? Your will be done life, moment by moment. Okay? Why? Because he's got, he is all powerful, I'm not. So he can control circumstances, I can't. He is all loving. I'm not. I've got a lot of anger and fear and all that kind of stuff in me. He loves me more than anyone ever has or will, which is what I want (laughs) for myself to be in relationship with people that love me that much. That's Everybody wants that, all right? He has guaranteed my outcome salvation, a hundredfold for my loss, uh, uh, prospering me, a good plan for me, uh, my troubles will not even compare to what Healy is leading me to, my best possible life. Okay? Um, Not before Jesus died in the Garden of Gethsemane, he went to his father and he had adversity. He did not want. He did not want to have to go through uh, death on the cross, the horrible scourging, spitting on him, calling him names, beating him, ridiculing him, humiliating him. He did not want to go through that. He asked, "If there's any other way, please let's do that. Take this cup from me." Um, 
was sweating drops of blood, which we know scientifically only happens when you are scared to death, really. All right? Um, so, yes, he was experiencing great adversity and the thought of going through unimaginable pain in the very, very near future, all right? With his physical body just like we have. He knew he would feel all the pain. Plus, I think he also knew that in addition to just the pain of the cross and the spears and the scourging, he was going to be also carrying all our sickness, diseases, illnesses, and infirmities. And I believe that's exactly what he did. And he felt those too, I believe. I believe he felt he, he carried our emotional issues to the cross and maybe felt those too, even though he still had control of him. Um, Jesus on the cross was not the Savior. Jesus on the cross was the sacrifice, the sin. He, he, he had in his body, mind, spirit, I guess, maybe not spirit, all sin of the world, past, present, future, yours, mine, tomorrow, next year, 10 years, all of it. So he's in great adversity, great intensity, great pain, says, let this cup pass from me. But then, evidently, the father's answer was, there is no other way. Because immediately after that, what does Jesus do? Not my will, but yours be done. And walk straight to the cross uh, with a great attitude. As, as the mocking people said, if you're God, bring yourself down from that cross, which he absolutely could have. Everybody would have wanted to do that, including me. He did chose not to because he loved you and me so much. All right, so... Your will be done life, moment by moment. So when pain hits, when adversity hits, don't just keep walking and run through it and do what you always do, all right? Reevaluate. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a high road, low road thing. So let me do this, you know, um, let me do this right. Let, let me not just jump into it, but take some time here and decide which road I want to go on. Okay, if you decide high road, then Lord, I'm delighted to obey you in this and then do it. Okay? Tell him. Tell him your feelings. Tell him your objections. Jesus did. But at the end of it, if you still feel you're supposed to do this and the pain and adversity is still there, stop, turn to God, say, Father, I want to give you control of this. You've got the power. You know the past, present, and future. You promised to do what's best for me. I want to give this to you. Help me give it to you. Lord, I'm delighted to obey you in this. And then... You'll either have a change of mind or heart, maybe, by the leading of the Spirit, or, all right, I'm, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Your will be done. Let's go. And you are promised that if you do that, Jesus moves to the front of your life and manifests in your physical 
body. Unbelievable. First time I ever did this, and um, I made it a ceremony, and I really meant it. I was intense. Uh, I had this really hard thing I was confronted with, and this is exactly what I did. I, I did this word for word, as Oswald suggested, and meant it, all right? And I kid you not, I felt this very low-level vibration that I'd never felt before. I felt big vibration, but the, and, and I'd, I'd felt other little ones, but the, uh, this one was different. I feel energy. Most people don't. I feel energy like I feel the floor, right? But this was a different vibration than I'd ever felt, and it was very, very low. It was all over my body, and I would say it lasted probably five minutes, and when that five minutes over was over, I was no longer afraid of the thing. I was no longer angry. I was no longer sad that I had to do it. I felt a peace and joy. And then I went and did the thing that was the hard, painful adversity thing for me. And after that was over, um, I felt like the light of God through Jesus was shining in my body. I felt I felt light, I felt positive emotions, positive feelings, positive thoughts. I felt closer to the Lord. I felt a real deep deep sense of peace and contentment, okay? And this has become my regular practice since. And um I absolutely believe that Oswald was right, and it works. You have to mean it from your heart. If you don't, just tell God that. I, I, I don't feel delighted to do this, but I want to because I want to please you. I want, you know, please help me be delighted. Or just, I'm not delighted as far as I'm excited to do this, but I am delighted to do it because I want to be right with you and I want to be living in your promises and in your kingdom and, and in right relationship. So in that way, I'm delighted. So if you can say that, say that. But, but say whatever is true, all right? And then, unless you have a change of mind or heart, go do it. But when you do it, be aware if you feel way more power and ease in doing it than you have before. And my guess is you will. Even if you don't, once you're done with it, check back in to see how you're feeling. And I believe it will be, you'll feel light. You'll feel joy. You'll feel contentment, peace. You'll feel power. All right? I think it's different for everyone. But the point is, if you're looking for healing, this is the surest source, I believe, you're going to find. It doesn't mean you're going to be healed on demand. There is no formula because it may be God's knowledge that that's not what's best for you right now. All right? 
That's what he promises, to do what's best for you, not necessarily what you want. But what's best for you is what's best for you. That means you're, that's, what you're, that's what's going to be the best outcome for you. So that should be what you want, even though you don't know exactly what it is yet, rather than what you think you want that God would disagree with and say, no, I understand why you're asking for that, but that's not what's best for you right now. You, we need to take you down this other path, but I promise that the end result you're going to love and, and maybe even be beyond your imagination. All right? Okay, so your will be done living, enjoying adversity because of what that adversity and dealing with it in truth, love, and obedience is going to do in your life. It's going to take you higher, 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 higher to places you cannot get at all by your own willpower and trying to control circumstances. Okay? You don't have the enough power and control. God's got that. So give it to Him. He wants to manifest in your body, in your mind, in your heart, and it be His power working through you. Okay? I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Alright? So, try this, not as a formula, but as a commitment, a vow, a promise to God in response to all His promises to you. Alright? And I will also say, outside of all that, just the psychology of this is brilliant because when you give up the end result, all the stress goes away. And that's, a, that's exactly what this is saying, is to give it to God. It's His responsibility now. Yeah, I'm going to work as hard as I can, but it's His responsibility for the outcome, not mine. His power working through me, not mine. All right? Um, which puts your body and mind and a non-stress state instantly, as soon as you give that up. And, and that's what Oswald said, is instantly Jesus moves to the front and manifests in your body. Well, instantly, when you give up control of an end result that you think you want, uh, the stress goes away. Instantly. Coincidence? I think not. All right. Hope that helps. Please give me uh, feedback on this because, again, to me, we've been building toward this teaching the whole time. And if you've been, if you've been taking the steps along with us, doing your anatomy of love, profiling your beliefs, using the mechanisms, prayer, meditation, etc., you should be ready for this now and... I believe if you do it with uh, all your heart and mean it, it'll take you to another place almost instantly. All right. Thanks so very much and have a wonderful, blessed day.